Due to the coronavirus, we have not been meeting together as a church, and so we are recording the next several series of messages as Bible study devotionals for at-home use. If you would like to see videotape recordings of these or to receive uh, our at-home worship guide, please go to graceclanton.com, and if you click on Coronavirus Updates, you should find all the information that you need. Thank you. All right. Hey, today we are beginning a new series uh, in the book of Acts. Uh, And while this is a new series, it's not actually a new story. Uh, Luke wrote the book of Acts as as really part two to his gospel. Uh, Luke tells us in the very first verse that his first book was about what Jesus began to do and to teach. And so by implication, this book, this second book, Acts, is about what Jesus continues to do and to teach as he sends his followers out. Uh, And so this book, Acts, is really part two of Luke's story. Originally, they they went together, volume one and volume two. So uh, let's, uh, in the first book, we see Jesus accomplish his salvation and in this book, we will see Jesus' salvation proclaimed to the ends of the earth. So let's give our attention to read Acts 1, verses 1 through 14. It says this, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he'd chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven." Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. 
God in heaven, thank you for giving us this word, for, for giving us a historical account of what uh, you did all those many years ago. God, I, ta- I pray that you would take your word and that you would write its eternal truths on our hearts. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, this message today is probably going to be a little bit more sermony, a little more preachy than uh, than some of our other reflections have been over the past few weeks. Uh, and primarily the reason I say that is because it has three points, right? What I want us to see as we go through this early chapter in the book of Acts is uh, the goal that Jesus lays out, the means by which he accomplishes that goal, and then the power he uses to accomplish that goal. So uh, the goal, the means, and the power. Uh, and the goal, as, uh, as he states early on, is that his disciples would carry his message from Jerusalem to the end of the earth. Now Luke tells us that for about 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead, that he appeared to his disciples again and again, and they talked together. And what, what do you talk with the Son of God about uh, over the course of 40 days? Well, apparently... Uh, they talked about the kingdom of God. That was the course of their conversation. Uh, and that's not really a surprise because that's what Jesus talked about uh, during his earthly ministry. Uh, Mark's gospel in chapter 1 tells us that the summary of Jesus' message as Jesus went from place to place, he was declaring that the kingdom had come. Uh, he was encouraging people to repent, to turn, and to believe in his gospel and his good news. And so then it's no surprise that that same kingdom message is the one that Jesus now gives to his followers. And so probably what their conversations were over the course of those 40 days is were were kind of what happens now conversations. Uh, How how has Jesus fulfilled the kingdom? How will uh, that message go forward? And we see that in this last meeting that Jesus has with his disciples before he ascends they ask him this question. They say, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, let's do a little bit of background. What is the kingdom of God? What is God's kingdom? Now, that phrase isn't really used in the Old Testament, but the idea is there. And the idea is that, yes, God is king over everything. That's what the Bible teaches, that God is the king, he rules all the nations, not, ju- not just Israel, but uh, he is king over all the earth. And yet, not every part of the earth, not every human being on the earth recognizes God's kingship. Uh, we see that beginning to happen in the book of Genesis, right? That Adam and Eve rebel against God's kingship. And that rebellion has continued. And so when the New Testament talks about God's kingdom, it means God's rule and reign, where God's rule and reign is recognized, where people accept and respond to and submit to God as king, God's rule and reign in the hearts of people. That is God's kingdom. And Jesus came to bring that kingdom and encourage people to join that kingdom. Now, when the disciples ask that question, will you restore the kingdom to Israel, 
it seems like they still don't really understand the whole kingdom concept. They're, they're still thinking in nationalistic terms. They're still, they're, they're reading some of the Old Testament promises uh, and they're waiting for Israel to regain their independence. Uh, they're, they're basically saying, Jesus, are you going to make Israel great again? Um, and it's interesting that, that Jesus doesn't, uh, he doesn't directly say yes or no. Um, what he does is he redirects them, right? They're, uh, they're looking for the wrong kind of fulfillment. They're looking in the wrong direction. And so what Jesus says is, uh, what Jesus does is he points them in the right direction. He, he redirects their focus. Uh, in the Old Testament, Isaiah 49, 6, uh, God promises to uh, rescue Israel and bring his salvation to the ends of the earth, right? Isaiah promises that the ends of the earth would know God, that the, that the light of God's salvation would come to the ends of the earth. And so that's, that's the way that Jesus begins to redirect them, right? That he takes their nationalistic understanding of, uh, of Israel and says, no, God's plan is actually global, right? He says, uh, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So uh, think, about, uh, think about throwing a rock in a pond. Think about those concentric circles. That's the, that's the idea, that's the mission plan that Jesus gives, right? Starting in Jerusalem, um, Jesus is the rock that gets thrown in the pond right there at Jerusalem. And starting right there, the witnesses, uh, Jesus' witnesses will radiate out, right? They will, uh, they will radiate out to Judea and Samaria, the region around Jerusalem. And then from there, they will, they will radiate out to the ends of the earth. That's the goal. That's the plan. Um, in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel sees a vision of a rock that comes from heaven uh, and it knocks down earthly kingdoms, and then it fills the earth. That's the kingdom of God. And that rock is Jesus. Jesus is the rock thrown in the pond, and then the king, his kingdom grows from there. So that's the, that's the plan. That's the vision, right? Um, that God's kingdom would fill the earth, that God's glory would cover the earth as uh, the waters fill the sea. Uh, and if you think about it, we are the fruit of that promise. The fact that there is a group, in fact, many churches, many gatherings of Christians in little old Clanton, Alabama, some 6,000 miles from Jerusalem, tells you that Jesus' words are coming true. Jesus is keeping his promise to these Galilean fishermen. But the promise is not yet complete. Uh, there are still people who have not heard. There are still people at the ends of the earth. There are still people at the ends of our country. There are still people at the ends of our streets uh, who have not heard the good news of the kingdom. And so the, the kingdom continues to grow as witnesses go out. So that's the goal. Now, what are the means? How... How does this kingdom spread? How does, how does this word get out? And, 
And for that, we, we have uh, Jesus' word of witness. Uh, he tells these early disciples, you will be my witnesses. Now, what is a witness, right? A, a reliable, good witness is someone who has knowledge or experience of a thing, isn't it? Um, we've all had, uh, we, we've all shopped online or looked for recommendations online, and right, one of the things that you often look at are reviews from other people. And the best reviews and recommendations, of course, are from people who have a thorough knowledge and experience of what, of what you're looking for, right? And humorously, you know, the, the least helpful, the most useless reviews and recommendations uh, are those people who are totally clueless, right? So, you know, you ask for a recommendation on Facebook uh, for a good Thai restaurant in Birmingham. And one of your friends responds like, well, I don't know about Birmingham, but I do know a good Thai restaurant in Seattle. Well, that's not really what I was looking for. That's kind of a useless recommendation, isn't it? Um, or I, I, love the, I love the five-star reviews uh, when you're shopping for something and you got the, you've got the overly enthusiastic five-star reviewer who says, hey, it looks great. We got it in the mail yesterday. Put it together. Haven't used it yet, but it looks great. Well, thanks for nothing. I uh, wasn't really worried about how it looked. I need to know if it works. Uh, and then on the other side of that, you have the overly pessimistic one-star review. Uh, this is the guy you really don't want to be friends with. You know, he says something like, well, I would have given it zero stars if I could, because when I got the box in the mail, it had a hole in it. Well, I wasn't really asking about the box. I want to know about the product, right? Uh, so... A reliable witness, a good witness, is someone who knows and has experience of, of, what, uh, of what we're asking for. And that's uh, what Jesus calls these early apostles to be, right? They are, in fact, witnesses. They have been with Jesus uh, from the beginning of his ministry, most of them. <clears throat> they, uh, they listened to him teach. They watched him die. They've seen him rise from the dead. They've touched him. They've eaten with him. They are witnesses. They know him. In fact, we won't look at this, but at the end of the chapter, uh, a new apostle must be chosen to replace Judas, who had betrayed Jesus. And the qualifications for replacing uh, Judas, this new apostle, must be someone who has been with Jesus from the beginning. He must, he too must have been an eyewitness. Okay? Uh, And so, these early apostles, these eyewitnesses, were the foundation of this Jesus movement. But their testimony didn't stop with them. They bore witness to what they had seen and heard. And as they bore witness, other people believed. In fact, we see Jesus praying for these people uh, in John 17. Jesus prays for those who will believe because of these early witnesses. And so again, like those concentric circles going out in a pond, as these early witnesses spread out, other people believe their testimony. And then they too carry the message. And then they carry the message. And so it begins to spread and spread, covering the earth. Um, So the, the goal is that the kingdom goes out, The means by which that goal is accomplished are witnesses. Um, But then the question we need to ask is, how how do those witnesses go about it? Are they left on their own? 
And the answer to that is no. No, in fact, Jesus promises, promises them power, that he will send his Holy Spirit to empower these witnesses. Now, so we need to ask the question, what exactly does the Holy Spirit come to do? Uh, and depending on which part of the New Testament you're reading, you can answer that question in different ways. But right here, we see that the Holy Spirit is given to empower the witnesses, to help these, uh, this witness-bearing mission. And that's important because, uh, like these early disciples, we tend to have our, our own ideas about how things ought to be done. And there are several kinds of power that we can trust in. Uh, and so often, uh, if we want to see change in the world, uh, we'll trust in political power. Um, but remember that the kingdom of God is not a political entity. God's kingdom is not reserved to one nation. Uh, rather, God's kingdom is a global reality. Uh, and so the power of God's kingdom is not political power. Now, uh, God's kingdom does have uh, implications for how we live politically and socially. Uh, God's kingdom does affect those who are a part of it. It changes the way that they live. But God's power is not primarily political power. The power that grows the kingdom does not rest in the White House or in Congress or in the Supreme Court. Right? Uh, in fact, God's kingdom values will often conflict with the values of different nations and cultures. God's kingdom values often conflict with both the Republican Party and the Democratic Party, right? Uh, so, so political power is not how the kingdom grows. It grows through Holy Spirit power. Often, uh, often we want to trust in the power of our, of our reasoning uh, or our persuasiveness, our ability to make persuasive arguments. And that's, and that's important. In fact, we're going to see that these early apostles uh, in this book of Acts make several speeches, and their goal is to persuade people. They're making persuasive arguments. But human reason alone is not the power that will carry the mission forward. Uh, we believe that reason and faith go together. Uh, we don't ask people to check their minds at the door. We love God with our minds. And yet, human wisdom is not enough. We cannot trust simply in the power of our wisdom or persuasiveness. We often uh, want to trust in our own giftedness. Uh, we want to accomplish God's means, uh, God's ends, but we want to use our means. Uh, and again, that's us trusting ourselves rather than trusting in the Holy Spirit. And so what we see is that God's kingdom grows through witnesses who rely on the Holy Spirit's power. I love the way John Stott puts it. John Stott was a, a pastor and scholar in Great Britain for many years, and he says this, The kingdom of God is His rule set up in the lives of His people by the Holy Spirit. It is spread by witnesses, not by soldiers, through a gospel of peace, not a declaration of war. And by the work of the Spirit, not the force of arms. And so 
And did you notice what, uh, what happens after Jesus ascends? What do these disciples do? What do these early followers of Jesus do? They go back to the city, just like Jesus commanded them to. But they don't just sit on their hands while they're waiting. They're praying. They're praying, and my guess is, they're, they're, we don't know exactly what they prayed, but my guess is that they are praying expectant kingdom prayers. They are seeking God's face and pleading with God to send his promise, because we're going to see that happen in Acts chapter 2, that as they pray, God sends the Spirit. And so, let me challenge those of us who are a part of Grace Fellowship May we be a praying people, seeking God's face, asking Him to move and to work in our lives and in the lives of our community and our neighbors and in the world. Uh, Praying people, asking the Holy Spirit to move so that we can be witnesses. So there it is. There's the, the plan, the ends of the earth, the means to accomplish that plan, witnesses, and the witnesses are empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the fuel that drives the engine of witness. Uh, so now uh, I want to close, and I want to close by asking an interesting question. Why does Jesus leave? Uh, Luke emphasizes this both at the end of his gospel, we saw that last week, and also here at the beginning of Acts, right? Jesus' departure, what we call his ascension, his going up, is the overlapping event uh, for both books. It's the event on which everything turns. In fact, it's kind of strange, right? We've, uh, we've called this series, we're calling this series, Following Jesus into the World. But Jesus leaves. Jesus, how can we say we're following Jesus into the world when Jesus has departed. And so why does, uh, why does Jesus leave? Why does his ascension matter? Right? Why, so what? So Jesus ascends into heaven. Why does that matter? Well, a couple of reasons. One, when Jesus ascends into heaven, it says that uh, the, the two angels say that he will come back with, uh, in the same way. Right? As he ascends into heaven and he's, he's obscured by a cloud, a glory cloud. What Jesus is doing as he ascends into heaven is he's taking the throne. Jesus' ascension reminds us that he is on the throne. That while he is no longer physically present with his followers, he is spiritually present. He is ruling and reigning the universe. He is directing this mission from the throne of heaven, from God's very seat. Um, and that should give us great confidence that all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to Jesus, and he promised his followers that he would be with us to the very end of the age. And uh, it is when Jesus ascends, when Jesus leaves, that he promises to send the Holy Spirit. That if Jesus doesn't go, he even tells his followers this in John's Gospel, that if Jesus doesn't leave, then the Holy Spirit won't be sent. And so now Jesus uh, directs his church through the power of his Spirit. But there's one more reason why Jesus' ascension is important. And it's this. 
Uh, Christianity is not a religion based simply on the teaching and ideas of its founder. Christianity actually needs a living Christ. Christianity needs a living Jesus. Islam, uh, just as an example, does not need a living Muhammad. It simply just needs his teaching and his ideas. It needs his philosophies. Buddhism, similarly, doesn't, doesn't need a living Buddha. It just needs his philosophies. It needs his ideas, his teaching. But that's not the case with Christianity. Christianity is not merely a religion based on someone's teaching or ideas. It is an actual, it is a faith rooted in a living person, a living, breathing person named Jesus. And that means that a Christian is not someone who simply subscribes to Jesus' teaching or adopts a new way of life that Jesus uh, mirrored. Now, those things happen. But a Christian is someone who actually gives his life or her life to the living Jesus, whose old life was crucified in Jesus' death, whose old life was buried with Jesus, and whose new life rose with Jesus, and who now trusts in Jesus reigning from heaven. Christianity is rooted in the living Jesus, who who lives and reigns even now. And so that's our hope. Our hope is rooted in Christ. And as we hope in Him, we bear witness of Him to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you uh, for your good news. Thank you for the good news of the gospel. And God, we pray uh, that you would Help us to rely on you to seek your face as we bear witness of your good news to the ends of the earth. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.